the fitting of God's timing is always amazing to me. We're talking now about curses and blessings. And the titles do the math. And last week I dumped all that on you, and I know we kind of moved through it rather quickly, and I said, well, we need to back up and take some time and digest it and give it greater application. Because doing the math means that we understand that in God's economy, when we mess up, the curses of our junk goes three or four generations down our line. Oh, but when we, when we do it right, when we bless Him and we honor Him and we live the life that He's called us to, and always, please remember, this is only done by the power and person and work of the Holy Spirit. It isn't because some of us are so much better, so much smarter, whatever. It's because God is at work in us, and that's what makes the difference. Now, therefore, that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps His covenant and His loving kindness to what? A thousand generations. Do you get that? That in this body of people, all of us get the privilege and opportunity given to us by God to bless a thousand generations in our lineage. I can't wrap my mind around it. All I can do is praise him for the privilege and opportunity to do that. For those who love him and keep his commandments. You shall not worship or serve those false idols. For I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God, visiting the iniquity on the fathers, on the children, on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. I've been blessed, as you guys heard, to be in ministry for quite some time, half a century now. That's a while, for those of you who are 10. (laughs) And in that time, I have been blessed to experience and see a lot of things. I've I've been a purposeful, purposeful student of the movement of God in our world, in our land. And so, for those who may or may not know... God is moving in America again in a visible way. Ashbury University, Wilmore, Kentucky, little town. The Holy Spirit showed up there 11 days ago in their chapel and hasn't left. And they're still worshiping around the clock, 24 hours. The characteristic of this movement of God, which they're now labeled the Asbury Revival, is worship and repentance. They said, we're not seeing signs and wonders, except for the fact that hearts are being convicted of their sin, they're confessing the sins, repenting of those sins, and the worship continues and continues and continues. And the update that I caught yesterday... The chapel holds 1,700 people. Outside were several thousand people waiting to get in, and the temperature was 24 degrees. In 1970, February of 1970, actually, the Holy Spirit visited Asbury College back then, and the same thing happened. And the president 
of that college said he was actually in Canada and he got a call from his dean and the dean said and for those again excuse me age there weren't cell phones in 1970 and so he said he landed he got to the hotel where he was staying and he had a message called this number it was his dean he said I went to a payphone I know a payphone put in my coin called the number which was my dean and he said you know you guys don't understand, but in the 70s, I was in the military. People were rioting against the war in Vietnam. There was a lot going on, and things were happening on college campuses that were crazy. He says, so in my mind, I'm thinking, what has happened? What is going on for him to leave a message for me to call him? And I called, and he, he said, what's up? He goes, I, I got two problems. What are they? You know, he said, again, my mind is racing. He said, well, the first problem is chapel. He said, what's the problem with chapel? He said, it hasn't stopped. I'm not sure what we're supposed to do. And he begins to describe how the Holy Spirit showed up and people just began to worship. Much like this time where there are a small group of people and they kept growing. And by the time, the time they were supposed to end the day, there were actually more people there worshiping than there were even in the morning chapel. Much again like this particular situation. He goes, well, let it keep going. Problem number one solved. What's problem number two? The media. They keep wanting to come. What do we do with them? He goes, keep them out, keep them out. He, goes, he said, because I could, all I could think was skeptics and, you know, how people would come and take something that God is doing and make it look like something bad. And the dean said, well, Mr. President, we've been praying and we think we should let them come. He goes, well, I'm here, your boots on the ground, you guys make the call. And they did. And so because of that decision, the word began to spread. And just like this time, people are coming from across America to be there, to experience the presence of God. One of the interviews, and this is what I'm getting to here for us, because I'm so grateful, was with a young man. And, the, and here's this young man, 20-something years old. His heart is burning for God. And she says... You're not the norm of people in America, or young people in America. He goes, no, we're not. But we are the norm of the people who seek God. All I'm saying to us is, let's seek God. As we look at this generational privilege and opportunity, this hours that God has given to us, what a blessing, what a blessing to live in this time. I've expressed to you guys, I've had the privilege of experiencing true revival. And one reason we don't use that word here is because we can't, you can't schedule revival. Only God can do that. We can schedule conferences and we have one scheduled. It would be wonderful if God changes that and makes it revival, true biblical revival. But in truth, only God can bring it. That's the only way, the only way it can be done and glorify him. And so when Sheila and I are praying this morning, my prayer was, Lord, stop all the counterfeits. Let what is being done be real and honor and glorify you. And Lord, and here's one of my prayers that's been going on now for a long, long time, many years. If you would be so gracious to let me see that one more time in my life. Amen. 
I'm all in. I'm all in for God to do a work that only he can do. Those who love me keep my commandments. Is that you? Are you loving him? Are you keeping his commandments? That's what he's saying. Those who love me, those who love me keep my commandments. I've had several conversations over the last few days of people talking about hearing God. And one specifically this morning. God is always speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. Whether or not we're listening is a whole other question. And sometimes the reason we're not hearing from God as we think we should is because God is still telling us the same thing he's told us before and we haven't done it yet. Now, I don't know what that is for you. I have to deal with me. I, I have to stand before God and give an account of what I've done with what he said in my life. And so do you. Now, those of us who are leaders of this church family, we have to give an account of how we presented him to you. But, oh God, that he would work that work in each of us, that we would express our love. Jesus said the same thing in John 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then we come to this train up a child in a way that should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parents, it's a busy world. There's a lot of opportunity out there for kids to get involved in. And oh, I know, Dad, you want your son to be the best athlete in the world. And Mom, you want your daughter to be whatever it is that she can be. And But are we making room for God to work in our lives? And the lives of our children and our grandchildren and, and those of us who may not have children or those who may not have children, those spiritual children that God's allowed you to invest in and God's allowed you to model the life for. See, this training is not just, it's not just sharing a few words with them. It's living the life before them. So that they can see the reality of God in our lives every day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And when Jesus was asked in his ministry what was the most important, he said, this is it. This is it. So we can talk whatever, we can do whatever, we can have all sorts of activities in church and in the world. But at the end of it... Is it because our hearts, our souls, are His? He said, I'm commanding this day. Teach them diligently to your sons, your daughters, your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house. Can we pause on that just for a moment? Maybe we have to turn off some devices. Is that possible? Talk of them when you're in your house. I'm not going to come down on whatever it is that you do in your home, but according to this word, there has to be some time in your house when everything else is off and he's on. When you walk by the way, 
when you lie down, when you rise up. In other words, there's no excuse for any of us saying we don't have the time or we don't have the knowledge. We have the Holy Spirit and we have the Word of God. We have all that we need. In fact, His Word is very clear that we have everything we need for life and godliness. Nothing's missing. Rise made a good point in the men's breakfast this morning of saying it's not just those who have the papers, as it were. Those who've been ordained, those who've been licensed, those who are in ministry. Not just those, it's everyone. Here is God revealing Himself, not just now in Kentucky, but other parts of the nation where those fires are beginning to be ignited. And God's already got us in a path, I believe, to be ignited as well. Because when I was talking to our upcoming speaker, he said, I want to bring somebody with me, and they're going to speak. I don't know that person. I'm not sure. I trust this man's judgment, but I still want to be sure. So I got his contact information, and I contacted him this week, and I said, let's talk. And I got to tell you, (laughs) he's our kind of people. He is going to be used of God. His name is Randy Chandler. He's a retired CPA from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And he is going to be speaking on the necessity of all of us being a witness for Jesus Christ. Now that's in the Saturday morning session. It's going to last three hours. Oh my goodness. Do we have three hours for a Bible study on Saturday morning? And I didn't check the schedules. There may be ball games. I don't know. We were just operating on what we have, so I didn't I didn't reach out. And when there's conflict, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, or Sunday morning even, everybody's got to deal with their own stuff their own way. Because this, I believe, is God's timing for us to do this. So here's our God. He says, live it, live it, live it, breathe it, breathe it, breathe it. Let me live in your life, the Holy Spirit is saying, so that the world can know. And Jesus said this, that we are who we say we are, and he is who he says he was because of our love for him and for each other. It says even put the word on your hand front of your head put it on your doorpost put the word of God everywhere you can but when I see the head there's like okay I got to get it in there God loves me so much he wants his word in my mind so it can be in my heart and we've had this discussion for many years how so many people can know the word intellectually but it needs to move down to here where it's being applied and lives are being transformed So the curse, for those who dealt with some things last week, and I rejoice that you did, it was really amazing to see that, can be considered really a prediction for those, for whatever reason, have turned away from God and are doing the things of the world, but not the things of God. It's so easy, isn't it, to do the things of the world? Because it's the path of least resistance. But the blessing 
is that inner state of well-being resulting from an intimate, deep fellowship with God as revealed in Psalms 1. (laughs) And here's James. I love one of the testimonies I heard from one of the participants of the Asbury revival. And they said, it's not our righteousness, but it's his. And that's true. That's always true. It's always been true. And then we come to this wonderful truth that Jesus has taken our curse And now, those who are righteous in his righteousness live by faith. And we practice his truth. And Jesus took the curse. Do you get it? Do you know it? Do you know it not just in your mind, but do you know it in your spirit? Do you know it in your soul? Jesus took your curse. That's why you can be here today. That's why we live in the world that we do today. Jesus took my curse. He took your curse. Whether or not that has been applied to your life personally has been based on your decision and willingness to receive what he has done for you. Deuteronomy 28. Beginning in verse 15. So I set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. And that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God may bless you in the land that you're entering in. The Israelites were getting ready to go into the promised land. This is the message from God through Moses to the people. But if your heart turns away, (laughs) I've been a pastor for a long time. I've watched a lot of people's hearts turn away. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away, listen carefully, you're drawn away and worship other gods, media, sports, entertainment, education, work, Addictions, even religion, if you turn away. Then I will declare, today you shall perish. I'm reading it. You can look it up. I said 28 is actually 30, chapter 30, verse 15. But I set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live and also your descendants by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice and by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob to give to them. Do you get it? The moment you and I accept Christ, we live, we move into his promised land. 
and we bring with us as we live those lives that He's given us through the Holy Spirit 